Hello and welcome to the Lost Art Podcast. I'm Garen, I'm here with Paul. How are you? And uh, we're back with another slice of the Renegade Master. Uh, yeah. In your face. <laughs> uh, power to the people. Yeah, woo, girl power. Fucking Maggie Thatcher had girl power. Uh, oh, God. Stuff. <laughs> remember that? Uh, do you remember, remember that? that? Yeah. Why did you say that? <laughs> All of a sudden, everyone from Wales, Scotland and Ireland just turned <laughs> off. That's you done, Spice Girls. Mm-hmm. Oh, that good Lord. Themselves there. Uh, they didn't know any better. God help them. Do you know what's worse, though? Like, do you remember when um, fucking Justin Bieber was visiting uh, Amsterdam and someone yeah. said, do you think uh, uh, Anne Frank would have liked uh, mm. uh, like your music? And he, I think he just went, maybe, I hope so. Front page news. Yeah. <laughs> Bieber yeah. says... Anne would have been a believer. Oh, it was like just very disrespectful. Like he just said, he just he's he's, he's answering the stupidest questions in broken English. Mm. For oh no, I'm not giving fucking Justin Bieber a break. Right? Then again, he's just a child. He's a, well, I don't know. Yeah. I think he's a man now, but he was a baby when I get into it. And I, I'm yeah. a firm believer that if you become famous when you're a child, you stay a child. You never really grow. Yeah, you've got that Peter Pan syndrome, exactly. or whatever. That you just Michael get big. Jackson had. Michael Jackson, who who he never apparently uh, said was ropey. <laughs> Not once. Go. Yeah. We mentioned. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Really? <laughs> we also, to be fair to us, we never said Peter Pan was ropey, who also sounds like the ropiest of the fucking ropey. Oh, um, anyway, this week we're here to do... Uh, Pied Piper uh, Hamlin. Hamlin. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He's ropey. <laughs> exactly. What song, What type of tunes was the Pied Piper banging out? Oh, God. I had to Drake. be like... Do you know what? I, I don't know. It all, it I always get the impression that it was like fucking Jethro Tull or something. Because mm, of the big, cause of the big uh, instrument. What do you call it? Flu can flu, big flu. Yeah, his big flu. Um, what was I gonna today. say today? Now, right now, stuff we're doing. Uh, I'm, I'm working on a real minimal setup. All my equipment is uh, in the studio for oh. the thing that happened in the past. Yeah. Oh um, yeah, we we haven't done it yet, but yeah. by the time you hear this, uh, we we could be dead. Was, or yeah, I bet you it was a disaster. I bet you it was a disaster. Do you reckon it will be? Will have been a disaster? It's us. Yeah. It's, it's me. Like it's almost like I don't know. Uh, technology. If it was a person, would hate me. It'd be one of those people like, oh, you know, those people that you, you like them, but they hate you. Yes, yes. You're like, God, I like that person. I like I'm around them all the time, but they hate me. Yeah, That's how I feel about technology. Sometimes. Me too. Uh, and it'll work when you don't need it to work. Like if I'm fucking around. But I also home, no problem. I also know why though. It's because I don't read any manuals. I don't read any instructions. I don't read anything. I just launch into it and go right. God, when something goes wrong, I go technology hates me. I see this documentary re- reading yeah. re- you hate reading that's what it is yeah it's, anyway. I'm the same if it comes in like six different languages you don't have to know it like <laughs> it's just, that's just true that it means it's universal enough you know what I mean uh, yeah. this week we are going yes. to do well we were going to do super groups we thought that's boring yeah Most it's boring because we, we don't like super groups no nah, they're, they're really shy. We're going to do the best super groups. Yeah. Like, that's what other Perfume. podcasts would do. That's what other podcasts yeah. would do. We're not doing that. What are we doing? No. We're doing the best songs of super groups. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's so different. It has a that's layer like, to yeah. it. Like, it has an extra yeah, layer. Just, you see, we picked, we picked the ones that, we picked the playlist that's good instead of going, oh, you know, uh, like Velvet Revolver. Actually, that's, that's a good thing we, we should mention. It, the, the qualifier was that it couldn't be a band who just replaced their singer, yeah, which yeah. was Audio cheap. Slave, cheap. and which was Velvet Revolver. It's too easy. Yeah, cheap. So we did pick someone that had to have at least three elements of yes. something that we recognised, or yes. else at least two major ones. 
Yeah, big that, time. Uh, yeah, it's not replacing your lead singer, keeping your whole band in place. It's, it's great and all, and it worked out really well for Audio Slave and Velvet Revolver. They're not great examples of, wish, of super groups, though. They became, they were, they became mostly famous as a group already. So that's the way I look at yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't to, know. to be honest, just the way I, the way I always looked at Velvet Revolver and the way I always looked at Audio Slave is that the lads just had tax bills to pay. That's always the way I looked yeah. at it. There was something. There's something off about it. Nobody in those bands should have wanted to ever be in a band again, um, but they did because I think they might have needed to. I remember the first time I heard Audio Slave, and I was going, "Dude, wait to hear it. It's fucking amazing." I heard that and went, eh. "Come on and save yourself." It's It's definitely Pantera's riff, but like yeah. it's a good song. Like a Stone is a nice ballad. You see, I think I prefer the ballads. I think the big rock songs were very stuck. So you got like Velvet oh, yeah. Revolver had a Fall to Pieces, which is a fucking gorgeous song. That could easily be a Guns N' Roses ballad. Mm, probably it is. You know, yeah. I mean. yeah. It's 95% um, so yeah, is. We've, picked, we've, we've gone through the one. because No, I, I mean you don't want to talk about supergroups. We really don't. So we, we, we will end up talking about them, but at least we made a playlist of songs that we think are good from Yeah, it. decent enough, yeah. To be honest with you, a lot of money had won. Good song. Yeah, I th- listen, I, th- I had to go kind of researching, because I thought there was going to be, I was going to specialise in like punk supergroups, because I always thought there'd be loads of them. You know what I mean? Like, is there I, not? No, I, th- I mean, there is, but there are loads of them are shite. Loads of the ones I thought were good. I thought you, I thought you, are you going to, I don't know if you did or not, uh, properly because I didn't get a chance to properly look at the list because I'm going to be amazed by you even though we tell each other we don't show each other the list isn't that or something like that uh, do we want to do loads of rap, rap ones I don't want rap one it's too many that's like, it's just yeah but many. also loads of them are shy and uh, yeah, again, shy, loads of them again. are shy and, and a lot of them seem to be away for like uh, and th- there's always an excuse for super groups in the hip hop world and it's always because someone in the group has started a record label always yeah. They started a subsidiary record label and it's just easier. Like there was one with like Nas and fucking, then you've got, there was a million, uh, there was a million Snoop Dogg ones. Then there was a, like a RZA had one called Gravediggers. And like, th- there's a lot of them, but like, it's always like one lad. It's like Westworld season one. Yeah. There's a lot of country kind of half recognized and heard of before. And yeah. look, there's Anthony Hopkins. You know what I mean? And then yeah. Anthony Hopkins is in it for a while and then he's gone and the rest of them just keep going. That's the way these groups work. Um, I picked one I the rap supergroup, and that's it. Oh, did I, you? I, I think they're the best. You know? I think the first supergroup ever I researched, and <laughs> whoever people thought it was are in my list, so I won't go into them yet. All right, yeah. but I found one called the Million Dollar Quartet. I heard that, yeah. I, I, knew about, yeah. I knew a bit about, but uh, I knew Elvis Presley and Johnny yeah. Cash were together. Mm. But uh, Jerry Lee Lewis and Carl Perkins as well right, make yeah. up the four. They recorded uh, it's, it's all they don't think they have new material. It's all their their own songs, done. Yeah. mostly yeah. Elvis songs. But hear, hearing Johnny Cash in the background, now, it's mad. Yeah, there's a, mad. There's, there's a lot of that choice, especially <laughs> from like the Sun Records days and shit like that. Because everybody just went to Sun Records. That was you weren't really allowed to go anywhere else if you're in that world. You had to go to yeah. Sun Records. And so that was had, just an, that was an impromptu. Uh, oh yeah, they, a lot of these starting off like that. Uh, okay, let's get into it then. Let us get sure. into it. Uh, I'm forced, am yeah. I? No, you're forced. I think I think I am. Yeah, you're forced. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Who is your forced one then? My forced one is a song I have a lot of time for from a band I don't really listen to much because they're not really my type of band. But this mm. song is great, and it's uh, "Heat of the Moment" by Asia. Super. So good. Yeah. Such a great song. Yeah. Yeah. The start of it, at least yeah. when you like, the start of it vocally yeah. and musically is iconic. Is that? Sta- yeah. Can you imagine a more stadium song? Oh. 
Like, I don't think that Bon Jovi or Queen, well, okay, Queen's not a great example. Queen are the biggest stadium band. But this, to me, anytime I think of a stadium in my head, I hear this song. <laughs> Do you remember where we are? So let's get into the personnel yep. of Asia. So we've got John Wetton on vocals and bass. He's from Wishbone Ash, mm. Uriah Heep, King Crimson, and Roxy Music. I still think he's probably got the best CV of anyone in this playlist. So far. probably, yeah, that's insane. Uh, he's a, he's a good singer, but he's a, he's a better bassist. Like he's mm. a, he's a really sought after session bassist. Let's go to keyboards. Jeff Downs of the Buggles and Yes, probably one mm. of the best keyboard players in the world, rock yeah. keyboard players in the world. Steve Howe on guitar. He's from Yes. He's the one that helped Yes change from a prog band into a more commercially yeah, yeah. viable uh, oh, you have a lot of stadium, yes. stadium rock band. Yeah, and he's a major part of Asia because yeah. he's the Asia are even more stadium friendly yeah, than, than yeah. Yes, probably. Then there's uh, Carl Palmer on drums. He's from the crazy world of Arthur Brown and Atomic mm. Rooster. I love that kind of drum. And he's also Carl Palmer, Emerson, Lake and Palmer. Yeah, the biggest, the biggest. So I think it was John Wetton and probably Carl Palmer that were the most well-known the, the guys who weren't in Yes actually were the most well known. Mm. Uh, we shouldn't forget this Billy Sherwood on guitar as well. He was also from Yes. There's three members of Yes, one from the Buggles and well, Jeff Downs in the Buggles as well. Mm. But uh, I actually really like the crazy world of Arthur Brown. I think they're a great band. Atomic Rooster are great as well. Yeah. Uh, they're, um, Jesus, yeah. I don't listen to too much of them to be perfectly honest. But remember, I'd say in the 90s, I went on a mad buzz of listening to loads of that kind of music. I was like, it's all a gross man. Yeah, I was the same. I was the same. So, um, so the moment, period. Yeah. The heat of the moment was the single from the debut album, which was massive. I remember um, the first time I heard it going, who's this? This sounds like yes. And I was like, yeah, it's, it's most of yes. And it's also like Emerson, like, and probably, yeah, that makes sense. So they like the prog super group that weren't really playing prog. I'd say there was a lot of prog people going, oh my God, these guys are setting the band deadly. And then they went, oh, it's it's going to be like even more commercial than the most commercial, yes. Mm. But um, a lot they got a lot of stick when they first started off and prog fans saying it's just an absolute cash-in or an ego fan yeah. project. But um, yeah. I watched an interview with them there yesterday, just refreshing me. Like, stuff like that. They were like, no, we just really thought that this would work. And they mm. did. So up your... That's what they said. Literally said that in the interview. Up your cacker. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, they released albums consistently up until 2014, mm. including a, a, a young guitarist called Sam Colson, who they found on YouTube. Probably really? have an awful habit of finding people on YouTube. They do, they? don't they? Journey done that, didn't they? Journey done that, yeah. They found a little lad from the Philippines who was yeah. amazing. Was he from the Philippines, I think? I oh. Something like that. Yeah, Something like he's that. great. I love that you can hear the accent sometimes coming through. Oh, yeah. It's the way forward. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, but look, this song, Heat a Moment. I mean, if you don't know what you do, just listen to this press play and go, oh, I know, yeah. It's, uh, Jesus, it's such a great song. It seems like it speeds up a bit too much in the middle. Of it. I'm like, oh, shit, that's weird. I think there's kind of a bit of weird timing going on because they are prog heads. Sometimes yeah. they'll accidentally write something in 7-9 exactly. or something. And, oh, shit, is that not uh, super accessible to everyone? Could you be not arsed? Really. Yeah, could you be arsed? This is what I always I that's what I'm saying. I don't think I don't like I don't I don't think they mean meant sometimes mean to they're just that's their program. Yeah. They're just that's it's, normal interest them, yeah. Mm. And playing in playing in four four might be like four bar blues to to mostly Maybe. Rolling Stones because they, they love that. But yeah, um it's a mad motivational, catchy song. It is. 
So, so and it's the, it's those the, real uh, songs you, you you'd hear in a million movies and shit like that. Oh yeah, and it's the, it's the it's some of the best people in English prog making stadium rock. It worked well for them, yeah. and like I said, as much as I wouldn't go mad into their albums, uh, they have it's, it's all about melody. Asia and uh, this song is. Savage. Yeah. So who's your uh, who's your who's your first one? Who's your first songs from Supergroup that isn't? Uh, first Supergroup uh, song I picked is "Cells" by a band called The Damned Things. Deadly song. The Damned Things, should I say? I like okay. this song. Uh, it's not bad. Yeah, it's there's a lot going on there. Uh, yeah, well, it's got. I know you're going to tell me who it is. That's yeah, it's, it's, going it's actually it, it, it's weird because it has who's in it and who was in it and it's fucking mental. Um, so this, this is the hardest part of the, the podcast, find out who was in it when, yeah. when, during the, so, the song I'm talking about. Because mm. all these bands have revolving doors. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, th- this band, The Damn Things, they put out, I think, two albums. The last one came out last year, 2019. I don't think they're, they've knocked it on the head. I think it's just like a little vanity project where it's every now and again. these bands never break up. Yeah, just, they just get oh, together, have a bit of crack, and that's it. I mean, because they're not really my, bands, my, are they? My big band, they're back together touring, so see you later. Yeah, that's exactly what it happens. <laughs> an, an awful lot comes up an awful lot in these. Uh, so the damn things is uh, Joe Troman from Fallout Boy. It's Andy Hurley from Fallout Boy and Air Crisis. He was in Air Crisis before he was in Fallout Boy. So I'm counting that. Um, Air Crisis was one of my yeah. favourite kind of hardcore bands of all time. Um, so anybody who had it, they were Air Crisis. I'm all in. Uh, Scott yeah. Ian from Anthrax. On SOD, it's got a uh, Keith nice. Buckley from Every Time I Die. He was a lovely fella. Drank at the pub a few times. Um, yeah, yeah. They, it's weird. They came over. They played a gig here in Dublin. They all ended up in the pub. <coughs> and uh, before the gig, <clears throat> then after the gig, they came back down for a few points. And uh, I think they stuck around for a few days, just on the piss, seeing Dublin. Mm-hmm. And then about six months later, uh, Keith Buckley came back. I think Keith Buckley does all their artwork for them. And you'll still, you'll see, if you go into Thomas House, you'll see stickers. There's one on the arcade machine, and it's, uh, I think it's one of Keith Buckley's stickers. I mean, just art, right. and it just goes around banging stickers and everything. Who else is in this band? Uh, Dan Andriano from Alkaline Trio, who were a super kind of pop-punk band, kind of a gothic, kind of a darker pop-punk band. Um, that's the current lineup. In the past, they've had Rob C- Cagliano from Volby. He can die in a fire. Um... <laughs> Then you've got uh, Josh Newton, who was in Every Time I Die, and Reggie in the full effect. So, like, it just seems to be, like, the core is Joe Troman and Scott Ian. They're the ones who started the band. Um, yeah. I couldn't find any information as to why they started the band. I think maybe they were doing a festival or something. It's kind of the, what it was, it was hinted at, but it just got talking. And they wanted, what's weird about it is that, that there's, this mad, there's this mad fucking kind of difference between how the two of them talk about it. So, Joe Troman from Fallout Boy, he's like, He's like, oh, yeah, you know, we, br- we wanted to bring in some of this kind of old, you know, uh, 90s hardcore that we all grew up listening to. And, you know, Scott Ian was kind of, kind of important in the, in the birth of that as well. And um, with Antrax and stuff. And, right. you know, we wanted to bring some of that in and, and, and see, you know, what all these different characters and, and musicians could bring to the mix within that genre. And then you talk to Scott Ian and he's like, yeah, it's like Tin Lizzy. And, uh, you know, it's really just like Tin Lizzy. And like I love the, I love when super groups get, and someone goes fucking scraper sound and they all look at each other going. That's ex- it's know. fucking like Scott Ian's like big, I don't know like one of the guys who invented fucking crossover metal like all the like everybody else in the band is kind of there because Scott Ian was involved in, in, in like like Anthrax were around like I'm not gonna put hardcore on Anthrax but they were very important at the start and um, yeah. They're another fucking New York band. They they played equally with like bands like Black Sabbath and bands like Agnostic Front and Sick of It All back in the day in Biohazard. Like they're all 
all, like the Anthrax are kind of the link between like kind of the the where those two genres split off, where metal and hardcore split off together. It's kind of Anthrax, and um, yeah. it's a uh, so he's like yeah, it's like, it's, it's a bit like ACDC and um, and Tin Lizzy and stuff like that. You know, in particular Gary Moore and the rest of the lads are just like uh, not really. It's a bit like. Uh, it's a little bit like sick of it all and uh, you know we're trying to bring in like a little bit of slipknot and stuff like that kind of keep the melody going you know so mm-hmm. like it's, it's such a weird fucking mad dynamic of, of personalities in that band that it's really difficult to uh to, to, to kind of put it put your finger on they formed in 2009 they knocked on the head in 2012 but in 2016 they said fuck it with you let's get back together again and make one more album and they they played a couple of fucking gigs. I think I think they might have had they they, they brought in your man uh, Josh Newton from Every Time I Die and Reggie in the full effect that gives them a dig out every now and again. If someone else can't jump in, but it's, as far as I know, ninety nine point nine percent of the time it's a uh, Joe Scott and Keith Buckley. I think they're your main that's your main kind of three guys mm. that are involved in this band. But uh, the song itself is I mean, there's loads of stuff going on. It's real weird the guitar tones they use in it. They're obviously trying to make heavy music but not use super mad heavy guitar tones like that you would expect I mean they're heavy guitar tones but they're not like fucking yeah. ever turned up 11 like you'd fully expect and some weird timing changes and it's, it's obviously something that we're all having fun with like it's, it's grand it's not terrible um, it's the best one of theirs that I could find uh, especially one that would bring out like we're going to show loads of the different influences there's, there's songs on Spotify that have more listens but they're much more straight ahead heavy. But we're heavy, picking heavy. the best this time. Yeah, exactly. They're much more heavy, heavy, heavy. We're actually we're actually picking the best ones over something that's more most popular, whatever. Rather, yeah, rather exactly. the other way, the other yeah, way around. Exactly. So this is sales. This is the best one of theirs that I can hear. Um, there was, like I said, there was other stuff that was heavier. Uh, this kind of had the, the combo of a bit of dirty rock and roll and kind of the melody melody that you'd expect from someone like Father. Yeah, I like it. Meeting on tracks. Yeah, I, like, I enjoyed it. It's fine. Um, didn't make me do a backflip, but it's definitely the best one Not from that group. Yeah. Uh, who is your next one? Uh, Hollywood Vampires. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, it's not. It's definitely not Hollywood. With Imagine six, it was, though. With their six albums. Hollywood uh, Vampire. I think they've got two albums. Hollywood I think, yeah, I think they've six. I saw oh, them live, right? So if anyone doesn't know who Hollywood Vampires is, they are uh, Johnny Depp on guitar, mm. Alice Cooper on vocals, Joe Perry on other guitar, and Tommy Henriksen on a... I possibly bass or another <laughs> guitar just a band full of guitarists yeah. and cokeheads uh jesus i saw them live and it was the most stock music i've ever heard it was eh? too busy so playing let's to, yeah <laughs> let's go on to who i actually picked though that's yes. way better uh, i picked power station some like it hot from this is a mad movie. song it's great song. it's mad it's 80s it's in one of the uh vacation movies oh is it Okay, that could be where, where I know it yeah. from originally. Because I was listening Rusty, to it, going, I heard this. Rusty dances to it in his dreams. Oh, there you go. Good old Rusty. There you go. Um, so, this is a great uh, lineup, actually. Robert Palmer on vocals. Mm. I mean, everyone knows Robert Palmer from Addicts to Love, which was mm. actually released a year after this. Andy Taylor and John Taylor, both from Duran Duran, guitar and bass, respectively. Uh, Tony Thompson, the Chic drummer. Because mm. John Taylor being a massive fan of Chic and... And it wouldn't be a last hour podcast without us talking about Chic. Without talking about Chic, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. So these were these were formed in New York City in uh, 1984 during a break in Duran Duran's schedule that became then a lengthy hiatus, whatever. Like that. Uh, the two Taylors met Palmer at a charity gig and were massive fans of him. So they said to him, "Would well, he want to do a song for us?" So he recorded the track called "Communication." 
But then he heard the recorded other demos, uh, mm. including Get the Cover of Get It On by T-Rex. And he goes, oh, can I do the vocals for that as well? They were like, well, yeah, yeah, sure. And then it was just the whole album was done. Really? Whole album done, yeah. They've, um, this is a, this is, you're right, it's such an 80s song. It's, it's, feel the heat. It has so yeah. many bits in it there. It's pop, but it's also quite motivation rock. Yeah. When I say yeah. motivation rock, I mean the same thing as like ages, heat, the moment. A song that could be used in an 80s, or early 90s uh, montage. A montage, yeah. In, a, in an action movie, yeah. Or even just a, a coming of age mm. thing, which which it was in this case. Mm. Um, they released two albums. They have one down for this year. Really? Jesus. But uh, they were supposed to tour. Yeah, Power Station was supposed to tour. Um, I don't know if that will happen, yeah. Mm. They're not one of the best super groups going. Yeah. But this song is one of the best songs from a super group. Yeah. Some like a hot. I don't know what else to say about it. They're not a particularly great band. They're not yeah. that well. Yeah, I think I think that I, if I'm not mistaken, I think Robert Palmer only ever played live with them twice. Oh, really? I think hmm. they only played live. I don't know. <laughs> like we said, well, a lot of these these are just little. They're not necessarily side projects. These are. I don't no. know how, what you even put your finger on. Like they're definitely. I think a lot of them. From reading, doing my research, it seems like a lot of them get into the idea like mad gung ho. Like the first couple of months of like building the band oh, yeah. and writing songs, especially like, if oh they just had a fight. With, especially if they just had a fight with their band. Fuck yeah! Oh, I'm going to yeah. show you. Yeah, I've yeah. got songs. Exactly. Yeah, they wouldn't listen to my focus songs. It's nearly always like the basis of the drummer or something from the band. It's rarely the singer. Yeah, and they, you know what? As well as that, here's how it starts as well. First of all, big coke sessions, yeah. and second of all, uh, when they realise that. Uh, like they're drinking with the other members of bands that they have the same problems as they do. Yeah. Singers an arsehole. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know who's actually dead sound? Do you remember Robert Palmer's mad yeah. dead sound? Yeah. Yeah. I wish we could be in a band with him. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Rubik's Cube problem solving. Uh, yeah. Let's do it, man. Uh, I mean, they do it. Some, yeah, like, most, most of these cocaine bands never happened, thankfully. Of course. Most, that's what co- cocaine is. was like two bags for the fucking, <laughs> two bags of coke for a pound. <laughs> You know what I mean? Back when all these cunts started, like you could literally fill up yeah. a backpack with coke for a fucking for twenty quid. It's probably yeah. cheaper than Gargo. Like, well, that uh, that's yeah, that's power station. Something like that. I mean, I think most people listening will know it immediately. If not, when you yeah, stick it like, on again, like, like I said, I, I knew it. I knew it. Also, folks, this yeah. podcast is going to be quick. Let's 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 be honest. We, we have a lot of work to do for this Saturday exactly. show that already happened by the time yeah. you listen. We could be dead now, probably. Hopefully, this yeah. is yeah. us. Uh, by the amount, the amount of stuff we've going on in that room. Fair play, to you know, you put that fucking effort into that. I need to turn up to test it and go. Yeah, totally. Fucking cables everywhere, lads. It's shocking. Um, I actually have an idea about how to take some of those cables out with a loop. Uh, should I say I had an idea and I hope I done it on Saturday night. Um, this could be what this could be what killed him. It could it's well so be. weird because this this will go out. Uh, this will be scheduled to go out. We want like even if, if we die in that meantime, it will still go. Out it will still go out automatically. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we could be t- you could be talking about like oh, it was the loop cable that, cable exactly, loop yeah. that killed him. It was oh, the sub mixer. Yeah, sub mixer. Yeah. There's no such thing as a sub mixer. Gar- there is now. It was exactly. like listening to. Like listening to Black Star by Bowie, except nowhere yeah. near as good. Yeah. So this <laughs> what happens your, when, yeah. when you run four things that need phantom power into something with phantom power on gar fire. That's what happened. Um, my next one is a, a supergroup called Chicken Foot with a song called Oh Yeah, and uh, it's it's fun garbage song. I like it. Um, I like this Tell type of this. music. 
I like this type of music. Uh, I like the type of music. I like the type of music, baby. Um, the Chicken Foot Farm 2008, out of like a, a big piss obsession in a club in Mexico. So I'm going to tell you who was in this band. There's, there's a good fucking people in this bleeding band, Jesus Christ. Uh, so your singer is Sammy Hagar. Right. Uh, obviously from Van Halen. Yeah. He was in the He likes to drink. He, he likes a good drink. It was actually his club in Mexico that, uh, that this band formed in. Uh, people, bands who used to tour in Mexico would go and hang out with Sammy Hagar in his club in Mexico. And uh, obviously mm. he has like a full live venue and shit like that. And after hours, it'd be like... Live venue? What, what are they like? I don't know. Dusty. It's been so long. <laughs> Dusty and full of cobwebs. Dusty. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so like, people would come and hang out with him in his venue. And uh, eventually he had all the instruments shit on the stage and people just end up jamming and having fun. So your singer is Sammy Hagar from Van Halen. Uh, your next guy is uh, Michael Anthony, who was also in Van Halen for a while. Right. He was a session musician. He went on and done loads of stuff for, for other people. Uh, your lead guitarist... Um, actually, no, your bassist, sorry, is Michael Anthony, I believe. Sorry, that's a lie. Uh, your lead guitarist is possibly the, one of the best guitarists in the world, is Joe Satriani. Oh. Uh, and your drummer. So uh, he's been in a band with Van Halen and Satriani. Yeah. Yep. Oh, Hagar. Uh, your drummer Hort. is from a band that I despise more than life itself, but um, is amazing. And that's uh, Chad Smith. Oh, from the Red Chili, chili Peppers, yeah. The Chili had Rod Peppers. Exactly. <laughs> uh, so you've got Sammy Hagar, Michael Anthony, Joe Satriani and Chad Smith. Now, they have a lot of tour, they have uh, guys that kind of jump in with them every now and again. Apparently the biggest, the biggest uh, hold up in this entire band was Chad Smith. Um, Chad Smith was just busy with Chili Peppers all the time. Like out of all the bands in there. Sorry guys, I've, I've got to go to California and sing a slow exactly. songs about California. <laughs> exactly. Where, where are you recording? California. California. What are you guys about? California. Yeah. Imagine he showed okay, up with a song called Mexico. Like, yeah. He'd be selling like, this whole new concept. Stupid. They'd, call it, they'd call it South of California. Of course they would. Uh, in South, <laughs> South, South, South California. South, 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 South California. <laughs> the most South California. Um, Don't drink the water, I won't you. <laughs> um, they've had a bunch of guys. They had a guy called uh, Kenny Arnoff, who was drumming um, with John Mellencamp for a long time. I don't know what to call. Uh, uh, who did they have? Jesus Christ. Uh, sorry, no, that's a lie. Kenny Arnoff played with John Mellencamp. He played with Alison Krauss, Brian Wilson, Neil Diamond, Stevie Nicks. Quite a, quite a chilled out, funky kind of drummer then. Uh, well, then he goes into John Bon Jovi, Patti wow. Smith, Billy Ray Cyrus, Bob Dylan, Mick Jagger, Belinda Carlisle, and Joe Cocker. These are all people that he played with. Um, and he was their Jeez. guy when never... Uh, when do I recognise that name? Yeah, he just one of those guys that's just... The number, you know, we need yeah. a fucking shit hot drummer called this dude. Uh, that's when Chad Smith couldn't make it. Now, eventually, hang on, Chad, Chad Smith couldn't make it from California. He might not have, let's be, he, could have he might not have been in California. He could have been know? playing in Krakow, he could have been playing in exactly. Kiev, you wouldn't know. So, well, wherever he was, he was singing about California, uh, yeah. drumming about fucking California, whatever. Drumming about, he was being, drumming about California. Yeah, he's just California and uh, wherever he was in the world. He was watching the movie California Man. Yes, 100. Which actually he wouldn't be because it's called Encino Man in America. It wasn't called That's California right, yeah. Man. Uh, which well, used to bother the, the shit out of me. They used to bother the shit out of me when I was a kid. Because oh, like, you'd yeah. see ads in magazines like Encino Man. I'd say, what the fuck is an Encino Man? Anyway, these cunts put out. Two, uh, two, two studio albums and one live album. <coughs> he also put out a box set. Um, started as a jam in, in his club. He owns a Mexico. I think he has a, a tequila brand down there as well, I believe. But in uh, 2016, 
uh, Chan Smith said, listen, I haven't seen the lads in fucking ages. Like, it's been eight, nine years since I've seen the lads. And we, we put yeah. out, um, it wasn't eight, nine years, it's been like six six years, something like that, since they put out an album or whatever it was. And he said, listen, I'm up to me bollocks. They're up to that bollocks now. Sammy Hagar is fucking, you know, getting blown out on the bleeding tequila and smoking brushweed down there, having living his best life. So uh, I don't think this is going to happen again. Uh, but they haven't, they never officially broke up, they just knocked it on the head. Uh, they were called Chicken Foot because at the start it was Sammy, Joe, and Chad. And a Chicken's Foot has three toes, and uh, their logo was like the peace symbol, um, which they didn't, they, they kind of turned the peace symbol into a chicken's fucking claw. So they called it Chicken yeah. Foot. And they said it was just, they needed a name, why not? And they started off just doing a couple of covers and they started writing songs. So, starts with a cover, isn't it? We had to do some uh, Grateful course. Dead. Of course. Do some Grateful yeah. Dead covers, man. Exactly. It's the easiest <laughs> way to do it, I suppose. But like I said, it was a lot, all because I think it was um, Joe and Chad, I think, were just fucking around in the venue and uh, decided, fuck, come on, man. Oh, sorry, yeah, Sammy and Chad. And they were asking me, we were talking about guitarists. And Sammy Hagar was like, Joe Satriani is the greatest guitarist in the world. So if we were starting a band with me and you in it, why the fuck wouldn't we try that get... to Sammy Hager? Yeah. What is that to Sammy? Is he, yeah? What about, have you heard of Mr. Van Halen? Yeah. Although at this stage, they were, they were yeah, definitely on the outs, 100%. 100 <laughs> fucking percent, like. Yeah. So he would have been fucked. And, and uh, Van, what was it? This was 2008. So was, was fucking Eddie, what level of shite was Eddie in by then? Because I know he's in shite Wait, this now. Is from 2000, this is from 2008? Yeah, it's when they formed. <coughs> That was like 10 years ago. Yeah. A bit more, but yeah. that's mad. I thought this was from like the 80s or something. Mm-mm. Oh, these are all the old lads. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> it's just fun. But like the music yeah. sounds like it's fucking 1988, you know, playing yeah. fucking 60s rock and roll, you know. Yeah. Uh, listen, that's it. I don't know what else to tell you. I like this song. It's just a good garbage throwaway song. And every now and again, you hear like Joe Satriani, like not trying to be Joe Satriani. And you hear Chad Smith not trying to drum about California. And you hear Sammy Hagar like, trying not, is the absolute damnedest not to sing about like, his tequila brand and his club in Mexico. Because he's, he's, <laughs> he's another kind of kiss level fucking boy my shit type of fucking idiot. And, yeah. uh, anyway, that's it. That was, that was Chico for. Who was your next one? My next one is uh, probably my favourite song on the thing. It's uh, Song to the Siren by This Mortal Coil mm. from 1984. Yeah, This Mortal Coil are, um, they're like the 4AD label supergroup. Mm. Mm. cultivated by the founder uh, Ivo Watts Russell so this again has a massive revolving door but we'll talk about this album this has a uh, this song has Liz Fraser and Robin Guthrie from Cocktail Twins on it but the album has uh, people from like it has the Lisa Gerrard and Brendan from uh, Dead Can Dance it's got her Devoto from the Buzzcocks mm. Cindy Sharp of Cindy Talk this is like 4AD are one of my favourite labels of Great all time. Label, yeah. Great label, Absolutely love it. Now it's like, I, I don't listen to all the stuff on it now because it's, mm. it's, we'll get into why. Like, it's, um, the guy who set it up, set up this band, he was just overstar the whole thing. I think he picked, this This is a Tim Buckley cover, mm. Song to the Siren. I think he picked this. He was a big, massive fan. He was like, I'd like this song to be done or whatever. Yeah. Like that. Uh, this, this Mortal Coil, two of the albums are fantastic. This Land in Tears is a great mm. name for a first, first album with all your sort of torture genius artists. All those fucking personalities on one record, yeah. like, yeah. But it was perfect actually... Perfect name, uh, perfect name. I think it was actually him who had ended in tears for, because he had a nervous breakdown in 1994 oh. and sold his half of the label to uh, Martin Mills of Beggar's Banquet, I think. Jesus. Yeah. 
and, you know, and he moved to Santa Fe in the US and doesn't want that to do anymore. I yeah. think that, the, I think I was reading up, I was reading up about it, and I think the pressures of running a label like 4AD, where you're trying to balance financial income and then the kind no of crack. philosophy and the integrity of what yeah. he wanted was just too hard and it was yeah. too much. Um, a lot of these labels tend to spin out of control, don't they? Like they get too popular. And the, like the lads don't want to too give popular, up. Too popular, too quick. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. They don't want to give yeah. up their little fucking grab on it. Yeah. Either, you know, let someone else take over because they, they're not going to do it the same with me and then they get burnt out and it's over for the labels. A lot of those. Like, yeah. A lot of those. So I think, yeah, I can't remember who else he had the label with, but um, I know that now, like they'll have, well, every label now has to have some sort of artist that does something a little bit rap. A little bit, whatever yeah. like that. Then they also have like future islands, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. And uh, there's a lot of great bands on Four Eight Eight. It really, really still is. Like, I wonder who has it now, though. Like, is uh, it just is it, has it was it bought by some big conglomerate and it's just a wing, you know? Probably. Like, yeah, like the the music that's on it is still so solid. Like, I, like I have them on Facebook, so they'll post up. This is yeah. our new artist, blah blah. Listen, I go. Fuck, that's Debbie. Yeah, yeah. So it's, 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 it's someone that even, has not even into this still. kind of music. Yeah, but they pick the good Debbie, whatever this is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, uh, that happens yeah. a lot. Yeah. This album um, is a mad goth dream pop album, and it's just my kind of music. It so like, sounds it? It is. It's this mortal coil. Song to the Siren, goth dream pop extravaganza dot com. Mm. Uh, who's your next one? Forward slash. I like this. Forward slash. Yes. My next one is a, is actually a great one. It's a, the Highwayman with the song Highwayman, and uh, I, yeah. I like this a lot because I like I like loads of this type of music. So I'm going to tell you who was in the band. This was Johnny Cash, Waylon Jennings, Willie Nelson, and Chris Christopherson. Yeah, it's a, that's that's a that's a no frills lineup. Like a lot of these bands will have an amazing bassist from a yeah. band they were already in, but we won't know them. Yeah, that exactly. Well. Exactly. Those are all 100% household names. 100%. Now, the back and band, whoever the fuck is actually playing instruments, I'm sure like Johnny Cash played a bit of guitar and so did Chris and Willie and Whale yeah. and whatever. And like, they're all guitarists. Um, I'm sure they dabble in other instruments, but there's no way they were playing the other instruments on these fucking songs, like on these albums. They just had whoever the best guy is in the world where at the one kind of well, the best country, well, that's like, well, outlaw country is still going to be Nashville. Exactly. So, like, even if they're not outlaws in Nashville, they'll still be the best at doing that. At doing that. Exactly. That's so, where you go. You go, right, we need these guys. Where do you go? Nashville. Obviously. Exactly. So, uh, Highwaymen formed in 1985. Uh, they didn't have a name, which is weird. Like, they put out two albums, um, put out fucking, uh, sorry, they put out three albums, didn't they? Yeah, three, three albums. And it was uh, only by the third one that they were called the Highwaymen. Before that, they were just went under the name Nelson, Jennings, Cash, and Christopherson. That was it. Um, but yeah, it's like Crosby, Stills, Nash, and exactly, you know, exactly. Like that, yeah. Um, so they didn't really have a name. They just went under their own names. It's just a little kind of cool project that was fucking uh, again a proper kind of Nashville shit kicker outlaw country. It's not like it's not it's not like now you listen to kind of modern outlaw country. It's all kind of high octane and they're turning up the fucking the the villainy of it. This is more yeah getting drunk and fucking getting kicked out of a bar and dance type of fucking music. And I'm making illegal alcohol in the back yeah. of a truck that I haven't paid my tax on. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Running moonshine, you know, that type of shit. Like, um, so they formed in 1985. So the lads were all like, not necessarily past it, but they were coming 
getting to the end of their runs, kind of all of them, you know, it was 1985, like, yes. Yeah. All these lads have had had their, their day, essentially. You could, you could say, realistically, most of them kind of peaked in the early, mid-70s. Um, mm. So they, I think they just... The, like, Willie Nelson. Willie Nelson's a weird one, man. I don't know anybody who actually likes Willie Nelson, right? Like, I know loads of old lads that like him. Like, he's so good, but yeah. It's amazing, but he's I don't like, know anybody I who's like, I love Willie Nelson. Like, he's my favourite. The only, the only way I could get into Willie Nelson now is if I could pause time. Yes. And go, right, I have time now to listen to Willie Nelson. Exactly. Like, exactly. Like, I'm the exact same. The, the songs that I know, like, you know, he's got some beautiful there's some great stuff there and fucking I like the whole concept behind him the fact he's been using the same guitar and he's been smoking weird his whole fucking life he's a proper proper rebel smoke, like. smoked uh, out smoked Snoop Dogg Snoop Dogg yeah fuck Snoop Dogg up um, Even Snoop actually I, I, I learned something to, I, I learned something today um, if you remember last week I was talking about just literally the ju- like, jump from fucking uh, pillar to pillar here I was saying that the, the DMX versus Snoop Dogg versus thing that was on the internet where they had that kind of rap battle and Snoop Dogg looked like he was wearing a doggy style pajamas. So <laughs> yeah. I had the, he had the cover of his first album printed on a big long sleeve t-shirt and it was deadly looking. But I found out today, winning a harpy, in a harpy. And uh, I found out today the reason for that is because a couple of years ago when the whole uh, Death Row Records thing was in turmoil, he bought the rights to the album cover. He couldn't buy the rights to the album but he could buy the rights to the art because right. the art was done by his cousin. His cousin had just got out of say, jail. Yeah, I thought it was, thought it was his mate's cousin. Yeah. Right, yeah. His, his uh, cousin had just got out of jail and he was deadly at drawing. He was doing graffiti and all this kind of shit. So Snoop said, do me an album cover. The album's called Doggy Style. Snoop Dogg, Snoop Doggy Dog, Doggy Style. So off he went and he'd done all the art for it. <coughs> and then uh, a couple of years ago, he went to his cousin and it turned out that he had never signed any sort of contract or anything like that with Death Row for them to own the artwork. Yeah. So he just said to his cousin, "So I give you whatever hundred grand for that image." So uh, now he's got he's bringing out this lion, this clothing lion that's just that image, and it's deadly looking. Like you can get all these like like leatherette jackets and shit that has it all like split into windows and it's patched all out. It's cool as fuck looking. Now fucking neither me nor you could get away with wearing ninety nine point nine percent of it. But if they bring out a t shirt with just that wow. image on it or whatever, yes, one hundred percent, I'll buy it. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, Snoop Dogg owns the rights to that that uh, image anyway we'll bring it back to, to Willie Nelson Willie Nelson oh, sings oh yeah Willie how's Willie getting on exactly yeah Willie Willie sings this song Highway Man this is again where they got their name it's a great song it's a great song it was only by the, the third album that they were called The Highway Man and it was off the back of this song Highway Man um, like I said three albums they're all decent they, they jump from well, that I guess we it? got a name now exactly but it jumps from that fucking shit to the fucking the usual what you fully expect it to be it never really leaves those boundaries. But you're talking about like four of the best in the world at doing that shit. Now, Chris Christopherson is definitely a country guy, but he also, he had a very much a kind of a, a pop air as well. So uh, Chris Christopherson could write like a motherfucker and he could also bring in that little kind of, let's not do the fucking, I'm sowing seeds in the morning. Let's talk about fucking yeah. whatever, you know, getting chased by the cops or something instead. And eventually they kind of became one of the kind of penultimate um, examples of outlaw country being done um, 
the, I remember much, one time someone, someone was talking about this. You see, the reason we started this podcast in general is because getting drunk and talking about music. Yeah. Yeah, get, but when you're drunk, you make a lot more mistakes. I remember talking to someone about them, like, do you ever listen to The Highwayman? I was like, yeah, man, I love that song. And I started singing the lyrics to The Littlest Hobo, thinking I was singing uh, Highwayman. I was like, there's a voice that keeps on calling, calling me, me down the, the road. road. That's where I'll always be. be. And every, was it? And every, 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 they were like, what are you talking about? I was like, that's the fucking, that's the, that's, I was like, that's oh, the highway, that's the highway. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That sounds like something like in a happy. To be fair, the yeah. Littlest Hobo theme song is one of the greatest pieces of music ever written. Well, that's why it, it made it onto my <coughs> list of uh, 80s. Uh, TV tunes, was it? TV tunes. Yeah, made so on because it is one of the best, good. one of the best so songs ever written. Good. Uh, anyway, that was the Highwaymen, 1984, sorry, 1985 to 1995. Mm. Um, some of the lads kept kind of touring. The last album was 1995. Um, the, f- the final album was 1995. And some of the lads kept touring towards the late 90s, but Johnny Cash's health was so fucking shit. Um, Jennings' yeah. health was so shit as well that they took a, a, back, a back seat. And the lads, I think the remainder of the lads started another one, uh, another little group with a few other kind of Nashville heads. I cannot remember what they were called, like that, the old ones or something like that, or... Yeah. The, the ancient ones or something. Oh, what the fuck they were called? And they kind of kept the spirit of it alive. But that was the Hoover Man. Who is your next one? My next one's a big one, and the band that are actually genuinely great, uh, even though they were only around for two years. Uh, Cream. Yes. I mean, they're a great band, and yeah, they if, are. If you hadn't got this one, I was going to get it. Yeah, they're considered yeah. one of the. F- are they considered the first proper rock supergroup, and yeah. the idea of the stemmed off from yeah. from them. So we get into the personnel. Mm. It's Jack Bruce on bass from the John Mayall Blues Breakers. Ginger Baker is one of my favourite drummers yeah. of all time. Mental um, cunt. I love him. Mad, yeah. Like, Blues Incorporated and Graham Bond organisation. Yeah. And John Mayall Blues Breakers might not sound like massive, but in the 60s, these guys yeah. were monstrously big. Absolutely, like, household, household names, but... Or music Musos. people, they were fucking yeah. huge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, of course, the toured member is Eric Clapton, who mm. doesn't need much of a, a CV redo. Um, Ginger was already a bandmate of Jack Bruce from the Graham Bond organization. Mm. They hated each other. Hated each other. It's hard to find fact, people that Ginger got on with, though, isn't it? Here's the thing, though. Like, mm. apparently, B- B- Baker went at him in the middle of a gig with a knife. <laughs> in the ah. middle of a gig in the middle of a gig apparently like he'd be he'd be turning to Ginger Baker shouting at him she's like the fucking pick up the pace Ginger mm. and he'd be like oh fucking knock him out <laughs> imagine that though if you're a Ginger Baker who like you said is not hadn't got Man, any temperament yeah none um, Jack Bruce was in the John Mayall Blues Breakers with Eric mm. Clapton and they decided to get Ginger Baker and Ginger Baker against his you know Hatred of, of Jack Bruce got into a band. Two years, they could only last before it all started again. They hated each other. But in those two years, they had four huge albums. Yeah. In two yeah. years. They're all that's big. every six months releasing. That's, that's, <laughs> that's their job. You had knocked them out. Mm. Um, they made it to the Rock and Roll uh, Hall of Fame again. Mm. Over two years, that's absolutely unheard of. They're massively influential on the whole psychedelic rock yeah. scene. It's I have a lot of time for Cream. I really do. I don't I did- listen to Eric Clapton. No, no, Cream I like a lot. Um, I ha- I have all the Cream albums, but to be honest, I'm, I'm a fucker for like bands like that. I'm a big fan of like the best of Cream, and, and like the, the, for one of those bands that I just I'm not. I like blues, but I'm not. I don't want to hear a fucking seven minute, you know, 
exposition on fucking British. Give me the big, give me the fucking bangers. Give me the Eric Clapton, like, right, don't get me wrong, savage guitarist, but not one of my favorite guitarists. No, no, not at all. I do love this song, though, White Room from 1968. So it's good. So fucking, this song so is... So good, Jesus like, Christ. Clapton's singing a fucking Elvis range there. Yeah, but it's fun. Way. It's fun, and it sounds deadly, because he sounds mm. kind of like ethereal and ghostly like yeah. when he's like oh, it's proper heroin song like proper gear yeah, song absolutely um, yeah, but absolutely apparently that's good. that's even where the name came the name cream is because they were the cream of the crop within that scene I believe oh yeah it's, I it's believe so. that's where it came from I watched the documentary on Ginger yeah. Baker before and, uh, that's I a great the cream. yeah I watched the cream one as well years ago and I only remember little bits of it but the one where they're like, talking to him three or four years ago Ginger um, maybe even longer now, maybe five six years ago where they got it was gaff and yeah, look, he's on the, he's one, on the sticks, the, not there. not the one in in South Africa because he was in South Africa for mm. a while. Mm. Or not South Africa and uh, North Africa. I don't know where the fuck he was. He was Nigeria. He's in Lagos because he was recording an album with fellow. That's right. I, I think this might have been in his like stately fucking ginger manor somewhere in the UK. It was like a big yeah. kind of farmhouse, and he had whatever folks left his family that'll talk to him there. And uh, yeah. he's got going around on walking sticks because he's hobbled as fuck, you know. But he's still. An angry, cantankerous cunt, like one of he's the biggest. Smash, smash the uh, documentary maker in the face with one of his rocking sticks. Yeah, <laughs> he's a proper fucking. He's one of the original proper rock and roll world men. Like he really is. Yeah, I love his drumming style. I love it. It sounds like he's plowing the kit over, but he's hitting them with this tempered velocity. Yeah, yeah. Like you can hear it. It sounds like it's just rolling along. Yeah. Oh man, I love uh, the Baker Ginger, Gorbitz group. Is that Baker? Baker Gorbitz Army. I like them. I have a couple of them. Um, actually, I might bring Don't them. Know, to play them. I might, know, I might have already played them on Saturday. Mm. <laughs> yes, I should have brought them on Saturday. Yeah. So then, like, <laughs> they, like I said, they were together for two years, and they broke up. And actually, Blind Faith. Yeah. So Blind Faith started almost immediately afterwards. Mm. That had um, Jack Bruce, Eric Clapton, but also had Steve Winwood and Rick Gresh. Mm. Um, but no. Sorry, no, I had Ginger Baker, not Jack Bruce. I think the reason Jack Bruce wasn't voted, because I think maybe Jack Bruce was the actual cunt in this. Oh. I think Ginger Baker might have been like, because uh, I, I was reading an interview there, just coming up, to, I was like, what happened at the very end? Because I wanted to know what happened. And he said, when they broke up, they did another gig, and Jack Bruce was screaming at Ginger Baker in the middle of the gig and turning his bass amp up so loud. Really? It was definitely Ginger Baker. And Ginger <laughs> Baker said, you know what, after this gig, I'm, out, I'm not even going to lose the plot. I'm yeah. going to leave. So I think Eric Clapton was like, oh, well, Ginger Baker's, actually the least psychotic one of these two. <laughs> so, yeah. So Jack, Jack Bruce actually died in 2014 and Ginger Baker That's obviously right. died uh, mm-hmm. last, last year. That leaves just Clapton as a surviving member of, mm. um, of Cream. So that we'll definitely not be... Uh, uh, yeah, we'll have to play some Cream, I think. I hope we played some Cream or some Ginger Baker. I hope we did play some yeah. Cream. Or to, yeah. <laughs> on, on our show that is going to be happened Saturday. It's so weird when we're recording talking to I know. To I know. Who's, uh, I who's your next one? Uh, my next one is a big one, a big famous one, and it's the uh, Travelling Wilburys uh, with a song, oh, yeah, uh, yeah. End of the Lion. Uh, this is an all-star lineup. This, yeah, this is one of the big ones. Uh, Travelling Wilburys uh, were like an English-American supergroup, one of the, the, the big ones. And uh, it's weird how they started, actually. It's an interesting story about how they started. I'll give you the... Coke? The, uh, maybe. Maybe. I think this would have been... This was, might have been around Harry Krishna fucking era, would it? So maybe no coke. Maybe. I don't know. Uh, who's in it? Okay. The Travelling Wilburys is Bob Dylan, George Harrison, Jeff Lynne from ELO, uh, Roy Orbison and Tom Petty. 
Like that's a that's monstrous. Jesus Christ! Like Jesus fucking Christ! Uh, yeah. The whole thing was came about when uh, Jeff Lynne was producing George Harrison's one of George Harrison's solo albums, and uh, they were releasing a single. And the record label said, "Why don't you do something kind of cool for the B side?" So Harrison talked to Lynn. He said, "Fucking, I think they were after going to see. They went to see Roy Orbison while they were recording, and uh, he was playing in the UK. And um, was he playing in the UK? Yeah, he was playing in the UK. So they went to see Roy Orbison, and uh, they went backstage just before the gig. And they said, listen, 'Listen, we're going to do this thing, uh, this little B side song. Are you interested in jumping on it?'" And he said, "Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah." And then it just kind of, it just spiraled. And Roy Orbison, said, Roy Orbison said, I always wanted to work with Bob Dylan. And Bob Dylan said, he always wanted to work with Tom Petty. And it just became this fucking thing. And so they all got together and they uh, recorded the song, handed it to the record label. And the record label went, you can't put that as a B-side. It's too fucking good. It's too good, lads. Like, it's not a B-side. That's fucking outrageous. We can't, like, how are we meant to sell copies of your single when, like, the B-side is is Bob Dylan, George Harrison, Jeff Lynne, Roy Orbison, and Tom, P- Tom Petty. It's too fucking good. So <laughs> they were like, oh, fuck, what are we going to do then? So Jeff Lynne turned around and said, like, listen, my mate, like, my mate has this gaff, and he has all this, like, recording equipment in it. Why don't we just hang out there for, like... Isn't that Jeff Lynne that has that? Jeff no, Lynn's no, he does, yeah. But that, where they went, they went to Dave Stewart from the Arrhythmics house. Oh, right, yeah. And they recorded oh, everything. He didn't want them doing all them drugs in his gaff. Exactly. It's like when you, it's like when you tell your mate, oh, you should have a party this weekend. Exactly, you yeah. Should, you should have a party this weekend. I don't want to clean up all the geek. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so they went to Dave Stewart from the Eurythmics house. Uh, it takes every iota of power I have not to say the arithmetics. I used to say that for years. I can't. I have to stop myself from saying the arithmetics every single time. I like... The late nineties, I couldn't stop. So I say I'd say it until today, until I just had to do a, a few little exercises, a few little blowing blowing boy exercises. Watching uh, Annie coming out and I said formerly of the arithmetics, and I was like, "What? That's not how you yeah. say that." Yeah, spelled wrong. Oh, hang on, it is. <laughs> exactly. The arithmetics. Yeah, the arithmetics. Right. So they all went to Dave Stewart's house and they recorded like in between their shows and the gigs where they were doing tours and shit like that, and put together this album. The album's called uh, Volume One. That's what it's called. Now apparently. They didn't, need, they didn't know that they were all going to get on. That's a lot of personalities in a room, you know, and nobody knew yeah. who was going to be right. Bob Dylan's supposed to be a bit of a fucking... Exactly. Now, at, at that time, Bob Dylan's career was fucking in shite. This is 1985. Oh, yeah. And, uh, they fucking... Uh, Ele- electronic music was eating them alive. Yeah, it was just uh, Roy know, Orbison's career ironically, was Ironically, ironically, he started with electric. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so Roy Orbison's career was kind of definitely on the way out, 100% on the way out. Uh, nobody gave a fuck about Dylan. Um, anymore George Harrison was still fucking whatever George Harrison you know Jeff Lane had a couple of a couple of uh, things he could do and Tom Petty uh, Tom Petty was on tour I think it was the fourth tour with the Heartbreakers um, in Europe it was it gone from just Tom Petty to Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers and um, they were in Europe at the time so they had to, they only had like two weeks so they kept flying back from wherever the fuck they were playing and getting trains and driving back back to Dave Stewart's house to put this album together put the album together and it was fucking huge but apparently the main thing that kept them going when they were recording together and fucking fighting or fucking having disagreements the big thing was every single one of the people in the band was obsessed with Monty Python in particular Roy Orbison Roy Orbison was fucking obsessed with Monty Python and knew every single sketch 
and apparently whenever there was a bit of grief in the room, Roy Orbison would start doing like doing impressions of the Monty, <laughs> Ponton, Monty Python guys and fucking he'd recite in, entire sketches and just get everybody laughing and that would absolutely break the tension they just got back to work then uh, they made two albums uh, so they made Volume 1 as their first album second album has the most annoying name of all time it's called Volume 3 and it bothers the shit out of me that's great. I love that uh, shit. Yeah, but the fuck out. I love that shit. Oh. It means that it probably means that volume two was lost in the ether. I, I don't even. I don't even know if there is a volume two. I think it's just to fuck with people. And I think the reason great. they called the volume three is because this the album was released after Roy Orbison's death. The Roy Orbison died in nineteen eighty eight of a heart attack. So it was released just after that, and they were like, "Fucking, let's just skip one." And uh, okay, I think they might have had a deal or something with the record label. That's kind of that's kind of the vibe I get off it. They had a three album deal. Yeah. I just call it Volume Three. One of the lads is dead. Let's just call call it. We're fucking out of here. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, th- this song uh, ended the line. It's just a cool little song. Um, uh, travel. I have a couple of Travel Wil- Wilburys uh, LP. It's just um, I actually don't have any albums, but what I have was I have some live the kind of bootlegs that I picked up yeah. years ago, and it's, it's interesting hearing that many that many kind of guys who are used to being front and center with the spotlight on them. Kind of, some of them you can you can you can you kind of hear like Bob Dylan kind of relishing the idea, of just stepping back. You know what I mean? Like, oh my god, they're not yeah. me anymore. You know what I mean? And, I uh, love stepping back. No one's looking at me now. I'm exactly. not the man. <laughs> exactly. Like I said, it's very it's very interesting. But uh, I like I like this song. I've a lot of time for this song. I've a lot of time for loads of traveling will be stuff because the song you've got like that that fucking Tom Petty kind of. Americana rock and roll. You've got the Roy Orbison that's somewhere between rock and roll and kind of bit of rockabilly and country. Uh, you've got Jeff Lynne, who's just a fucking like a, a madman, a, a kind of a genius songwriter, a madman. George Harrison, yeah. he'll be in the heights of fucking Hardy Krishna Madness and fucking trying to live clean and you know break free of everybody. Oh, George Harrison, the Beatles, yeah. And Bob Dylan, he was just like, I'm just happy to be here right now, you know. Yeah. <laughs> now, as time goes on, like now, I'm pretty sure. Like Bob Dylan would probably do more numbers in terms of people than anybody in that band right now. Um, that Bob Dylan, I think his legacy might be more secured. Like he's got a, kind of a beginning, middle, and end of career, and he's got. Yeah. I think if you were to, if you were, if you to juggle everybody in that band, every guy in that band, you juggle their fucking output. I think Dylan wins. Um, Dylan he did a Christmas album though. I know, but you know what? Probably all these cunts did. We just they just deleted out the fucking internet. I'm gonna you know? try and find that. See, I remember when I was we were doing the, I was doing the Christmas crooners. Yeah. Uh, episode. I was like, see who the fuck has Christmas albums? I couldn't believe Bob Dylan had them. And, Mental, uh, isn't it? It's 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 the height of garbage. Absolute dirt. I tell you right now, when it comes to people like Dylan and stuff like Christmas albums, it has to be just a record label dispute. You know, it has to be. Possibly, there's no, yeah. there's no fucking way. There's never it's like you've got Bing, Bing Crosby era fucking Christmas songs that are like fucking, uh, you know, the the holiday, holiday jolly, fucking shy. And then you get into your kind of eighties dirt, which are Cliff Richards and your fucking whams and your whatever. And nothing really has happened since then. How dare you call that dirt? It's just Cliff garbage. Richard is <laughs> like, but, like, there's another another escape pedophile apparently, um, allegedly. Um, Hang way, on, Richard. Yeah. Is they went yeah, after him about four years ago. And nothing happened. There wasn't a peep over. Just disappeared. Maybe he didn't. Do Maybe he mollusk. didn't do it. But like, let's be honest. Oh like, shit! I'm not. I'm not saying. I'm not siding with him. No, I don't know. I'm just. Oh, this is news to me. Is what I'm saying. No, I remember something came up. Yeah, they yeah, were we after did, him. We did. We did. We did. We did a 
we did have mentioned that we weren't uh, nailing pedophiles. Oh, Graham calls me phone. Well enough uh, on the podcast. Well, so yeah, remember, yeah, nail him to the wall. Fuck him, him to kill the wall. him. Remember, Cliff Richard had a song called Living Doll as well. That's a bit sus. Got myself this with a... Uh, walking, something, something, living doll. That's sleeping, a child. Sleeping, talking. Yeah, that's a child, uh, Mr. Richard. Is it? I don't Is know, it? I assume so. I mean, that when they say, look, that's like a doll, my little angles. Anyway, that was uh, The Travelling Wilburys. Who is your next one? My next one is possibly the best metal supergroup for me. Mm-hmm. So my favourite is an easier way of saying that. And that's uh, Down, which yeah. uh, the song is uh, so Stone good. the Crow. So good. Stone the Crow is an unbelievably good song from uh, the album Nola from 1994. Mm. Their first album, it's really, really good. It's, um, it's kind of sludgy stoner metal. Yeah. And in Swamp terms Brook. of... In terms of like bands, they are very much their own identity. Downer, uh, the, the solidity of the material, the strength mm. of the albums are. They are very much their own thing. Uh, yeah, so let's give it. They never coasted on who was in the band. They wanted to be a good band, like yeah, yeah. No. So we'll just we'll we'll, uh, we'll give you a, a rundown now. So Phil Anselmo, Pantera, one of the best vocalists of all time on vocals. One of the best metal vocalists of all time. Yeah. King Arsehole, let's be honest with you. Yeah, the king of the uh, bricks. He's fucking easy. Jimmy Bauer, uh, Todd Strange, and Kirk Winstein, all from Crowbar, mm. uh, on drums, bass. Super band uh, as well, super band. Guitar, guitar there, respectively, yeah. Pepper Keenan from Corrosion of Conformity, who's, mm. and pretty sure he did stuff with. I don't know, you know, Pepper Keen anyway. Corrosion yeah. Conformity, unbelievably fucking Best good. name in rock and roll as well. Corrosion Conformity is a great name. I've seen no, about Pepper. Just Pepper. Oh, Pepper, Pepper Keenan. What a it's name. Lo- lovely dude as well. Absolutely what a name. He does be out in the and, piss uh, whenever they play, don't they? Yeah, he does. He comes he's out the always going out in the piss. Yeah. And then there's a Pap Ruders from Gohor who took over on bass at one stage. Mm. And also, we should mention that Rex Brown from Pantera took over on bass at one stage as well. Yeah. Um, they don't sound like Pantera or Crowbar, but yeah. they sound like what you would imagine the two of them being together mm. sound like, and it's fucking really good. Um, this song in particular, Stone the Crow, is a much more downbeat, yeah. slower one. But it kicks off the chorus, gets quite heavy and stuff like that, but uh, this is one of those songs that you play early on. I used to play early on in my set. Yeah. And uh, you just get the toes tapping. It's like, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You get people coming up at like one o'clock asking if you're like, no, don't be stupid. That's not Stone the Crow time. Mm. Stone the Crow time was an hour ago. Play Stained Last Cross, maybe. That's more mm. of an upbeat uh, one. But yeah, down their first three albums, well, the first two albums and the third ones. Yeah, the third one's good, I think. If I remember correctly. I only remember, I know it was a massive I remember the first one, first one being huge and the second one listening and going, that's pretty fucking good. Yeah, the second one is down to a bustle yeah. in your hedgerow. Uh, it's, it's great. Um, I'm trying to think of who else is in. Yeah. Oh, I was supposed to see them this year. Mm. That's right. They were supposed to play Grass Pop. And I think Finn Anselmo and the Bastards were also going to play. I think you get two two gigs. I'm pretty sure uh, Hank Williams, the tour, played with Down for, on a couple of tours as well. I know he's in. No, you were thinking of Superjoint. I know he's, he's in Superjoint. Oh, yeah, yeah. On a tour or two with them. Possibly, yeah. Um, I think when, so, I, yeah. when I seen them in Dublin, I think Hank might have been playing with them. I'm almost certain Hank oh. played with them in Dublin. I could be wrong. Because, yeah, Super Giant Ritual also has, uh, obviously, Anselmo and Bowers mm. and uh, Hank the Tord. Um So, yeah, like, Down, for me, are just a really easy band to listen to. Yes. It's Phil Anselmo at his, 
Was Phil, there's nothing really wrong with Phil Anselmo when he's singing. Really? No, no, it's only when he's not singing. It's only when he's not singing. Yeah, just, just keep singing. A problem with, yeah. yeah. I, know, I know people that are into down way more than Obar or Pantera. Maybe. So, like, Pantera are good, yeah, but, like, down are, like, they much prefer down. Yeah. Or maybe not prefer down over Crowbar, mm. but they definitely prefer down over I Pantera. think the people that are into down are also mad into Crowbar. I don't oh, know. they definitely are. Yeah, they definitely just treat them in the band. Yeah, so yeah exactly. Yeah. Like, there's, there's a big and, and I hate God as well. There's a few crossovers exactly. with I hate God. Yeah, I, well. I went to see them. I'd never seen them before. And uh, I remember the first album. Like I said, I was mad into it. And then like, I listened playing, to it. The, it was the Academy. When you, the Academy, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and um, it's Academy. And I got, I got fucking blags. I got freebies to it. And I uh, uh, got freebies when I brought this board. He was mad. He annoyed me to bring her. So I brought her. And uh Bring me to the gig, Gareth. Yeah, and I was like, I don't know. Really. Show you these, and then she takes out like a bunch of car keys. Like, what's the? I'll drive you home. Yeah, town saves your score. Etten's worth getting saves the score. And um, oh, yeah. so went to this gig, and I was like, I wasn't into it. I was like, oh, for fuck's sake, this is bullshit. Because I hate going to see bands. I don't like. I don't care about. No. I hate it. Yeah. I just. Right. You know what I mean? It's not that I didn't care. No, I did. I did. I didn't care about that one. I did when I was a young fellow when the album came out. I was like, all right. I know what you're saying. Like, there's a lot of bands I was mad into. Yeah, I was just whatever. I don't give a shit. And when the lads hit the stage, like everybody walked out at the same time. There wasn't this big like applause where each member walked out individually that you normally see. And they all came out at once. They hit the smoke machine and they waited for the smoke machine to fucking fade down. And everybody just stepped into the light on the stage. And Phil Anselmo just kind of pointed at the rest of the lads and just said, we're down. And off they went into the gig. And I was like, fucking hell, me nipples and all got hard. I was like, oh my, yeah. Jesus Christ. I said, if the power of them, they're hefty. Comes holy fuck, man. Like an hour, I was like, Jesus Christ, this is bananas. Yeah. And I was... I think we were I don't know why I didn't go to that gig. Another gig. Yeah. I remember that gig. Well, we were up in the balcony, it. front and center, fucking dead set looking at it. You know, you had the bar behind you to grab a few fucking points. It was, it was a great fucking night. It was a great gig. I'm mad happy I went to it. Because when I came home, like, Did you put the moves on that girl? No. Kiss her on the mouth? No. Ooh. No. I don't know what you're talking about, Paul. Uh, I don't do that. Gentlemen, you don't kiss and tell. That's right. I enough. don't do that. I, uh, <laughs> Sorry. It, I don't even remember when it was. It must have been fucking 15 years ago. I was about to go, when is this cunt going to ask me what my next one is? We're talking about my one. Who's yeah. your next one? <laughs> <laughs> uh, my next one is kind of a super group that is, uh, nobody really knows their super group, but they kind of are. It's, uh, it's Wings. Oh, this, no. No. What? No. No what? No. You don't like Wings? I do like Wings. All right. You don't think they're a super group? No. Okay. Um... So I'm not calling you out. I'm just we have to do this every now and then. Okay, all right. Uh, so pick live and let go. However, however, so I, I don't have any. I don't have any proof that they're not a super group. So okay, all right. I'm just shouting no over and over again. <laughs> <laughs> so there, you've got you've got the you've got the info. You could fucking kill me now. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I pick live and let go. It's a savage song. I fucking love it's, this song. This is one. That is fucking. This is one of the best songs I've ever written. Just so it's fucking. This is one of those songs. I love it. Multi-parted songs. Exactly. But we, we talked them. about this before. Like, I don't know how you write a song like this. Do you know what I mean? You, you t- well, he's, he's from the Beatles where you had to stitch, stitch songs together with John Lennon all the time. It's just mad. Like, like, you listen to it and you go, like, sti- eh, sti- eh, I've, I've done that a couple of times where I've stitched two bits of songs yeah, together. The only way I'll know it is if Linda goes to me, those two songs are in the same key. Oh, oh, really? For real? Yeah, exactly. Really? It's, it's nice to be held that because I still don't understand what keys are. I still, yeah. Um, I don't understand Someone it. Someone goes to me, you write a lot of songs in G, probably. 
I looked it up on the internet once because I was thinking, I was thinking like, I've been a musician now most like more of my life than I haven't since I was like 13. So I'm like, I better learn what like keys are. Because like for the longest time, I thought like the key was like the first chord you play it. I was like, no, it's E, it's in E. You know, because the first chord is like E minor or whatever. Oh, yeah. I got yeah, it's, it's just E minor. No, it's yeah. fucking not, you stupid cunt. But apparently it's one of those things you can't even explain. Unless no, you can't. It's the scale. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but 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 I when I was reading about it, it was like okay, so like it was there was something like eighty percent of the time it's like the second last note in the song. But I'm there, what? And I went and I looked through it, and apparently I was that thing, the second last note in every song, eighty percent of the time is the key of the song. And I went off and I looked it up, and with the stuff I'd written, I was like, oh yeah, that's kind of right, because I have a thing on me, on me, uh, on the computer that tells you what key it's in. So I went out and I looked at it. I was like, that's pretty, that's handy to know. So uh, yeah. anyway, Wings, Living Left Eye. Yeah. So obviously, Paul McCartney, right? Paul McCartney. Yeah. Uh, you've got Danny Sewell, who was uh, played with G- Billy Joel and Liza Minnelli for years. You've got Linda McCartney, his wife, um, who didn't do fuck all before this, but went on to have her own little music career and uh, delicious sausages later on in her life. They're all right. Uh, you've got, they are good. You've got Denny Lane, who was in the Moody Blues. Um, then you've got you had the kind of a rotating stock of people who were in the band there's a lot of people in this band at one stage or another you yeah. had uh, Henry McCulloch who was uh, who played with Joe Cocker you had James McCulloch who played with One in a Million you have Joe English who played with Sea Level and you got Steve Holly who was in Motta Um you've also got Lawrence Juber who played with uh, Ringo Starr Belinda Carlisle uh, Barry Manilow Al Stewart and he also wrote the entire uh, score and soundtrack for Diablo 3, amongst other video games. That's a great soundtrack. It is. So he wrote that. That was, uh, that was Lawrence Juber. It was oh, also the, in the fucking, the intro music to Diablo when you're loading it up is yeah. so good. So he done a shit ton of uh, video game stuff later on in life. But at the start, he, he, was, uh, he was with Linda, uh, sorry, he was with Linda Carlyle. He was with Ringo Starr. Barry sure was with Belinda Wasn't Belinda Carlyle in The Germs? She was. She's in the Germs, the punk band, so, the yeah. LA punk band. Um, that were, were what one album, one and done, one album, one live performance. I, I think. think I prefer Belinda Carlisle's uh, audacious music. Yeah, I like. I, I, like it. I have a bit of time for uh, Belinda Carlisle. I, I also do like. I like the Germs as well. The Germs are very she interesting. She always does a key change at the end, like just a whole step up. Oh, baby, I didn't go that high. She's so good. Uh, She's but lovely. yeah, that's it. Wings Living Let Die. Like I said, a super group that nobody really knew was a super group because he had kind of collected a load of his favourite musicians who had a bit of pedigree um, to begin with. No, we're, not, we're not talking Travelling Wilbury's level of fucking fame here, but everybody in the band, bar his missus, um, was... I'm going to set them all. Everyone has to call Gary on this now. I what? don't know how. I'm not going to do it because I haven't got the energy to read up on that. Billy Joel, Moody Blues, Joe Cocker, Sea Level, Motta Hoople, Ringo if Starr. They were all in, if they were all in it, maybe. If they were in it, different. But these are fucking, these are all very well-known <laughs> musicians. Um, again, it's, it's, it's a tenuous grasp. A grasp, nonetheless. <laughs> we, we've done much more tenuous grasps on this podcast. Big before. time. We've, uh, done, we've done some things where some like, mad I haven't got the... Uh, you know when you pick a song and you've, got, you've loaded it in, but yeah. then you go to research, probably like... Oh. Uh, yeah. I'll just like talk. I about, that with I'll talk about the other one, but say I like this That's one as well. <laughs> yeah. I, I had that with uh, <laughs> even though I had that. Like a lot of people would say, this mortal coil to me now is not a super group because it was such a revolving door. But uh, mm. I'm allowed. If guys allowed wings, I'm allowed this mortal. Yeah, coil. I 100%. You, 
Uh, we, yeah, so, do you know what? Jesus, if you want to complain, at least it would be a comment. <clears throat> yeah, you are fucking brutal for commenting. It's like the same three people that are commenting on and stuff. we love them. All the time. We love they're them. Great. And they're our favourites yeah. now. They're and our favourites. There's like one and a half thousand people liking this fucking podcast. And <clears throat> tens of thousands of people listening to it every week. And is what are you doing? No, yeah. Is and, and what are you doing? Nothing. Oh, is doing? Nothing. Uh, anyway, that was Wings. Who is your... Was the last one? Is it our next one? My last one, yeah. Uh, so, mm-hmm. there was two main supergroups of the 90s in, in terms of grunge. Yeah. And that was Temple of the Dog. Yeah. But uh-uh, they really weren't a supergroup because they're a retrospective proto-supergroup and mm. they don't count. They don't count... Really, because you can't look back and go, well, they all became super famous after this, and therefore, that's like saying the Yardboards yeah, yeah, yeah. is a super group. We will, I wanted to do a po- one of our podcasts I suggested to you before, before I realized that I couldn't even come up with six, let alone you come up with six, and the two of us splitting the six that maybe we could get, mm. and that was proto, proto super groups. Yes. Super, normal groups that broke up and went on to have spawned loads yeah. of other bands from there. Yes. Uh, so that's really what Temple of the Dog really was in a way, because mm. they were all from the bands, yeah, but like Eddie Vedder had never sung properly on a record before yeah, he did Temple of the Dog. Yeah, yeah. I'm not, that's why Temple of the Dog don't make it on this for me, but Mad Season do. Yes, 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 yes. yes so yes. this is Mad Season. The song is Wake Up, my favorite Mad Season song yeah. from the album Above 1995. So let's do the personnel. We've got Brett Martin, the drummer from Screaming Trees. That's a good one. Yes. Mike McCready, Pearl Jam, guitar. John Baker Saunder, Saunders, Walkabouts. Eh, not familiar too much with the Walkabouts. And then the singer. Oh, stop. Who do you get? The best singer of the grunge era? Mm. Lance Staley. Yeah. I think he's the best. Yes. Lance Staley. If you argue that it's Chris Cornell, Chris Cornell stepped in for them at one stage. So mm. there. You can there you go. That. Double whammy, you fucks. Double whammy. Yeah. Um, this, this is a one, one and done. I think, yeah. to the best of my knowledge, they are one and done. Above, they had plans to... They went on a, a, a semi-permanent hiatus in mm. a year after this was released due to uh, conflicting schedules. Of course. Like and Lane Staley liked... He liked sticking stuff in his arm, didn't he? The drugs. He did the drugs. Oh, he did the... He did the original drug that was there. The original drug. Film. He bought it on eBay and was like... That's like it. The original drug. A boil uh, down Adam and Eve apples. He's uh, banging into him. In all serious, uh, they had material to be worked on for the follow up, mm. but uh, the band dissolved uh, when John Baker Saunders died in 1999 from mm. a drug overdose, and Staley died uh, three years later, like that. So that was the end of Mad Season. <laughs> so although they did some stuff with McCready and uh, Brett Martin, mm. Brett Martin. Who uh, looks like me? Oh, someone sent me a picture of that Mad se- Season cover, one of the early pictures of him, yeah. and I'm not shitting you. It's he you. Look, doesn't look like me. Oh, fucking hell! Yeah, no, he does. Has Bare he got your old haircut or your new cool haircut? My old one. Oh, the Lego head. The old one. The le- kind of Lego head and the little yeah. beard. Oh yeah. I had I had a, a much more trimmer version of the yeah. beard, so it looks like me circa 2009, maybe. Like the designer stubble beard, like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The George Michael beard, like. Um, so in 2015 Barrett Martin or aka me announced that he was recording new stuff uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, can we, before oh, you continue oh, before you continue I just want to say if anyone can hear some weird noises it's a uh, bang bang the dog is underneath my legs because there's somebody letting fireworks off outside 
and uh, so he's hiding and he's uh, he's panting. So you can probably hear him. Hang on, well it's only gain up you'll hear him. That, of course you stop now, you fuck. Bango. Yeah, kinda. Anyway. Uh, so if you hear weird noises, it's the dog like. It's not me, Sorry. it's not helmet, it's a dog. Uh, then I'm protecting. Yeah. I'm protecting from the dirt on the new bridge. I hate the new bridge. <laughs> anyway. Go on. Yeah, so they announced that they was recording new stuff uh, for Mad Season with Michael McCready and Duff McKagan. But they got in another singer who was Jazz Coleman. Oh, and wow. it became the Levy Walkers. Hmm. And they released a song with him on it, um, the Freedom Song and Tears for the West in 2016. I listened to that Freedom Song today. I was like, holy shit, that's deadly. Yeah. So it was too late to add that to uh, this. Also, so the Levy Walkers has Mike McCready, Duff McKagan, Bert Martin and Jazz Coleman on it. So check that out as well. But uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know if it's going to be any... They tried, they, like I said, they just tried to do... Um, Mad season and came up with a whole new band. Yeah, so, uh, that's better. That's I don't know better. Who, the, new, the new singer they have in called Aaron Jones. I don't know who he is. Mm-mm. I'm sure someone can tell me. No, they won't. Uh, he's won't. He's won't. He's won't he's just won't. Or one of the three will keep this. You'll keep this podcast to yourselves. Yeah, scum. Scum. Sorry, who was your last one? And my last one is a hip hop group, like we talked about earlier. It's my favorite. You have to get a hip hop group. I have to get one in. Uh, yeah, it's a Westside Connection. I picked the song "Get Ignorant" um, just because whenever I used to get real drunk, I just had to listen to the song all the time. Uh, it's a great song. <laughs> it's a fucking great, great song. Um, Westside Connection formed in 1994, and it's three members: it's Ice Cube, Mac Ten, and WC. Um, all three of those guys had careers uh, before and after of varying success. Obviously, Ice Cube is one of the biggest rappers of all time. Um, it wasn't really. It was, I think it came from a fucking WC guested on a song for Ice Cube and they knew Mac 10 and Mac 10 was after starting like a record label or something like that. And they were like, come on, we'll jump on his record label and put an album out. So they put out two albums, one called Bow Down, uh, which is fucking astounding. That was 1996. It's fucking Mm. astoundingly good. Proper, grim, kind of 90s gangster rap. Um, incredibly well produced still kind of dark and dirty in that kind of dead row <laughs> slash kind of Cypress Hill vein like everything sounds uh, there's a particular sound from mid 90s rap that's mad interesting to me and, um, sounds like it's been made in a boiler room yeah everyone's real tight like real tight there's no the music is and it has to be a, a side effect of everything being sampled and compressed on like NPCs and Akois and shit, you know what I mean? It has to be just a side effect of that where it's just like everything's compressed and fucking thumping. There's no like, there's not much musicality to it, you know what I mean? The tone wise, there's nothing there because it's just, we need like, and then we need, and like, we only, we can fit fucking two of them on a floppy disk, you know what I mean? So it's, it, mid 90s rap has a weird particular sound. Now, Fast forward to 2000 and I think it's 2003. When did that album come out? Fuck. Fuckity fuck. When did that one come out? 2003, yeah. Uh, the second album called Terrorist Threats, which is one of my favorite hip hop albums of all time. It's up there with like Dr. Dre 2001. It's up there with fucking Will Tang's first album. Like Westside Connection Terrorist Threats from 2003 is one of the like, most underrated hip hop albums of all time. It's fucking. Yeah astounding now after this album came out Mac 10 left the band yeah, Mac 10 was a bit of a prick he was married to um, T-Boz from TLC 
uh, for like four years, have a daughter together, but like they, they end up getting divorced because apparently Mac Ten was badgering her or something like that. Or, I don't know what the fuck. They don't bogey shit, cheating on her and abusing her and all this kind of shit. So uh, she divorced him. He fucked off, and then he got in a big row with Ice Cube because Ice Cube had had beef with Cypress Hill, and um, he had a, he had grief with, with Cypress Hill, and I think Mac Ten wanted to be made for Cypress Hill because he wanted a guest. I hate to have, I hate to have grief with Cypress Hill. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Ice Cube had mad grief for Cypress Hill for a while. Um, which is weird because uh, fucking, like, uh, who was it? It was Muggs or something. I think it was DJ Muggs. Was it? Was it Muggs? One of the, someone got involved with um, him on The Predator as well. Cypress Hill produced The Predator and they guessed it on a couple of songs, which is his best oh, yes. solo album. Yeah, wave it around like a just yeah. down down yeah. yeah, exactly. So <laughs> fucking good. I love um, that band. They're great. They're great. Um, the last couple of albums are not good, but like they, they have so much great fucking material over the years. Um, Dude, you they, know what? Answer me this. Hmm. Like it or hate it, Dr. Green Tom. I hate it. I love that song. I hate, I hate Dr. Green Tom. That was when that came out, it was so fucking stupid. Because Hello, my name is Dr. Dr. Green Tom. I want to show you just where I'm from. Fuck off. It bothered the fuck out of me. Because I was so used to fucking hate to the motherfucking K homeboy. I was yeah. like, I was all fucking down for this. I was like, oh, that's so fucking good. And then that it sounded out. like Eminem or something, didn't it? Oh, it was fucking garbage. Was that on Skull and Bones, that album? Or was that Stone Raiders? So. I can't remember. Uh, Skull and Bones are savage albums. Stone Raiders is all right. Stone Raiders is where they start, um, they set down a lot of. Um, Rapping in Spanish, where it gets kind of interesting, and there's some real, there's some cool like orchestral fucking cuts on that album as well. And mm. it's so much, so much fucking good stuff. Like in the volume four, I think volume four was fucking great as well. <clears throat> it has that song Checkmate that we played on here before? It's a fucking incredible song. Jesus Christ, Checkmate with Cypress sounds amazing. But uh, when Mac Ten left, there was talk of them keeping it going, and uh, there was talk of uh, the game stepping in to replace Mac Ten. And the game mm. was all for it. was like, man, I fucking love Westside Connection. Like, so uh, they apparently uh, WC and Ice Cube had talked to the game about stepping in and maybe making a new album and doing some tours because they've done a few bits and bobs. Like, they've done a couple of gigs. If you, some of the saddest stuff in the world, man, is that when you, this is a, a grim reality of my life, is that I get mad into someone like Ice T or Ice Cube, you know, from when I was a kid. And I'm like, I fucking own everything they've ever put out when I listen to them, like, at least once a week. Where I'm like, oh, so fucking good. And then some night, like, I'm after having a few cans or I'm after having a few points, and I go, jump onto like YouTube to look at like footage of them live, and it's the most depressing garbage. Like, it's fucking. Don't do that anymore. It can't be done. Hip hop is an incredibly difficult to do live, unless it's in a tiny little room. You know what I mean? Like, even you see, you go back to like, like Run the Jewels in the Olympia or something like that. That's, that's, that's it. Anything above that, forget it. It's too big doesn't work anymore because you've got two guys yeah, or sometimes one guy or three guys on a stage with a DJ hidden at the back of the stage. It's not like a band where the stage is full and everybody's reacting off each other. You know what I mean? And it starts getting sad with a lot of hip-hop groups. Like if you go and look at Westside Connection live, it's always like during the day at some festival and the three lads are standing on stage and there's like one DJ with a laptop in the back on this giant stage and the three lads are just kind of crip walking around rapping but there's no energy off them because there's no energy. No, the they crowd. need. They need a fucking bassist. They need these companies bands. Snoop Dogg they done it for a while. Yeah. Snoop Dogg done it for a while. You can absolutely do the fucking Limp Bizkit thing. Have a full band and have a DJ. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Like if there's stuff great, that the, it looks great. exactly, you can absolutely do it. But here's the problem: they have to pay the fucking band. 
You know what I mean? Rappers oh, not that much if they're, uh, if they're rappers are notoriously fucking tight because rappers have got fucking done over since the nineteen diddly squat with fucking record labels and shit because yeah. it's seen as a cheap fucking boy. You know what I mean? Because it's one lad. And then maybe you'll put your hire his producer and you just put his producer to task then to just create fucking his album, another fella's album, six other fellas' albums, and then you get him to guest on this and get the rapper to guest on that. It was obviously seen as a cheap boy. So like rappers like, traditionally were fucking worked into the ground for very yeah. little to no money. So it's just part of that fucking hip hop culture to fucking not spend loads of money. You know what I mean? Like, if you are spending money, I'll spend on fucking, like, you go back to the 90s, gold chains and fucking yeah, bling yeah. and big cars and shit. You still just, see that. Just on a side note, yeah. Dr. Green Thumb was on Cypress Hill 4. 4, there you go. Yeah. Again, yeah. Like, that's a fucking great album, but I can't do that song, man. I can't do that song. I just can't <laughs> do it. I thought that was on Stone Riders. Um, I listened to their last one, whatever it's called, fucking Acid Elephant or whatever the fuck it's called. It's not good. It's not good. Um, then the, the Cypress Hill probably, realistically, should just do like a best of tour for the next 10 years and just be done with it, you know? Yeah. Because um, doing this, this thing, I thought about doing that public enemy Rage Against the Machine fucking uh, Cypress Hill thing. Like, you could probably get away with that. But, like, it's not good. What was that even called? Yeah. What were they called? What? That, that group with Rage Against the Machine. Uh, Prophets of Doom. Prophets, Prophets of Rage. Rage. Garbage. Prophets of Shite. Why are people still sending me that band as a link in my Facebook? I'm like, what are you sending me this for? Yeah. Oh, it's this new band. It's not new. New and over now. It's done. Stop that. Yeah. It's, it's already g- done. Yeah. yeah. Stop. And stop it's not that. good. It's nothing not good, good about it. No, not at all. Also, Everybody in it's amazing. If I, if I can't see that live tomorrow, I have no interest in none. it. None. None. Little like if, they were, if they were playing, I don't know. If Even the name bothers the shit out of me. It's stupid. It's, it's stupid. No, it's lazy. Uh, but anyway, the game, it turns out it's not going to happen. Uh, Western Connection are probably done. Um, right. Mostly because, like I said, uh, it was Mac 10's record label, record label called Who Bangin' Records. And uh, they put out the Who last bangin'? album. <laughs> Who Bangin'? On, uh, Who Bangin' Records. And um, he put out the last album in particular, Terrorist Threats. And because he put out the last album, he now owns the rights to the name Westside Connection. So even if they did get back together again with the game and start touring and putting records out, they'd have to pay Mac 10 because he owns the copyright of the name and due to the last album. So uh, no. I don't think they're going to fucking do it. But that was Westside Connection. That was my last one. Uh, get Ignant. It's a savage song. It's fun as fuck. Production on the album is fucking superb. It's supreme. Yeah. Um, that, was it's, a, that was a selection of, uh, yeah, our... our yeah, probably favorite supergroup songs, but yeah. not necessarily my favorite supergroups, but the songs. Yes, yeah. yep, absolutely. Uh, that's it for this week. Um, we'll be back. No, fe- there was no female supergroup. So. Uh, <laughs> no, there was no female supergroup. I actually female looked one up. There was one. No. The, the, there was one called the the High Women. Uh, yeah, it's like a, like it's a country not, one. It's, it's not, not good. It's not good though. It's not good. And like I, to I think it. actually women dodged a bullet by not being on this playlist in general Pretty because yeah. supergroups are like we said before. Yeah, they're cancer. cancer. I could learn. I, I could learn. I could name. I could replace the six songs I chose with female groups that are better than these songs. Yeah. Super groups, no. Yeah, so no. super groups, it, it, it seems to be a male thing in any way. You know, a fucking... Oh, it absolutely is. A stupid dick, dick swing and fucking contest, you know, which never works out, as we've already said. This, it's very difficult to find a good super group. A good, good one. That's like, of its own merit, good. Um, where you don't have to tell people who's in it. That'd be the best. You know, if some supergroup <laughs> came out and you didn't know it was a supergroup, you're like, Jesus Christ, like, who are these cunts wearing the masks? 
And then in 10 years' yeah. time, it, it turns out it's whoever, you know what I mean, X, Y, and Z. And El, they dug Elvis up and he's in them. You know what I mean? Like, uh, that'd be great, but that's not going to happen because there's too much weight on them to begin with as a super group. And everybody sits yeah. standing around looking at them going, like, are oh, you going to fucking, you know. It's and it's always one, one deadly B-side that never got used or something where it starts. Exactly, exactly. Anyway, that's it for this week. Uh, that was uh, super groups, best songs, or songs we like by super groups. And anyway, uh, we're back again on Monday. We don't know what the story is. We're probably, let's be honest, pubs aren't open again until fucking another month and a half. So we're probably no, back we, next we Saturday. Call, we called it. We did call it. Uh, we're probably back next Saturday. Um, on video again. Probably on video again. If, you, if it works Maybe out this will. Saturday. Maybe will. Yeah, if it works out well, <laughs> if everyone goes to plan this Saturday uh, doing video, then we'll just do it again. I'll tell you what to do. Ask us now on yes. whether we're doing it again because we'll have just done one. Yeah, and then we will have decided probably. So you should probably get involved. <laughs> uh, that's it for this week. You can get us on lostartpodcast.com if you want to give us a few credits. You've got the patreon.com forward slash lostartpodcast. They've done an update today. You can now pay in euros. Um, you can pay five <laughs> euro a month. Ah, oh, good stuff for that. <clears throat> the pay in your local currency, which is fucking superb. Um, and it's that time, of the, that time of the month where uh, we lose Patreons as well. It happens every month where people forget that they signed up and then they pay their fiver, their five dollars, and they go fucking fiver because they forgot to go and listen to all the cool exclusive shit. Um, uh, from ages ago. Let's be honest, we haven't put that much exclusive stuff up in the last while because we haven't been together. And uh, yes. even though we're doing fuck all, it's it's actually difficult to get time at the moment. I'm writing an album. Yeah, I just released <laughs> an album and I'm trying to wire an entire venue into something, uh, into a t- television studio. It's fucking yeah. hard, lads. It's hard out here for a pimp, you know what I mean? So, so we're, <laughs> we're, uh, we're up a little fucking uh, grill there and opening your bar up as a restaurant. You're not allowed to do that? I not allowed to do it now. Once you are... You're not allowed to do it now. You can't, even, you can't even get a full kitchen fitted out if you wanted to do it now. You could. Well, here's the problem. Well, you're not going to do that. Yeah. They're saying you have to have a restaurant license. And uh, I'd say... You can't get one now. You can get you a restaurant get license. Well, I'd say 10% of the pubs that are open doing food actually have restaurant licenses. The rest of them are oh. ringing it. And they're all going to get hung by the bollocks uh, once this is over. So, well... We'll see. I mean, I don't like I don't like seeing bars getting hung by the bollocks. No. But if they're doing something, other bars are not allowed doing. Ah, it's all. Yep. And it's also in Ireland. If you're not listening from Ireland, if you are listening in Ireland, you'll already notice certain bars are bulletproof. Yes. And will never be touched. Will never be in trouble. Very much so. Very much so. Anyway, Walkman's, that's Workman's going to do gigs. Sorry, Workman's well, going to do gigs. Workman, uh, Workman's just announced today that they're going to start doing some gigs next month. Yeah. At. Uh, they put done a big hullabaloo, a big song and dance about it uh, being, you know, oh, you know, we, we hold 300, uh, but we're going to do 50. And, you know, this isn't economically viable for us, but we feel bad for all the sound engineers and musicians and acts. And like, yeah, well, also it's the fact you own like a thousand other properties and most of fucking Dublin. Yeah. So I don't think you're going to lose that much and you might get some press out. How many Fontaine's DC gigs are going to be doing on a day to 50, 50 mm. <laughs> or to satisfy? Yeah, that's a lot. Fucking hell. Anyway, that's us this well, week. We're back in next week. Life ain't always empty. Exactly. Watch you call it. <laughs>